We'll turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 23. Luke 23, we're continuing, of course, our study of the Gospel of Luke. Luke shows Jesus as the perfect man. He is the final sacrifice for the sins of the world. He is the one who came to die in our place as our substitute. And as we're doing this, we're seeing the trials of Christ. Six times he goes to, before he goes to the cross, he will be on trial. Three times to the, the Jews found guilty. Three times before the Romans found innocent. Well, this morning we're seeing the third and the final trial before the Romans. Pilate, of course, is the governor. He's in a hard place. He knows that Jesus is innocent, yet the religious leaders want Jesus dead. What's he going to do? He wants to keep control because he doesn't want the Jews to get out of hand. He doesn't want to have problems with that. At the same time, he knows it would be wrong to kill Jesus. So what can he do? What does he do? We find this morning that he has a plan. There's going to be two things he thinks he can do, and this will get him out of this situation. And as we see his plan this morning, we meet a man by the name of Barabbas. Barabbas, who is this man? How does he fit in with the trial of Jesus Christ? And so as we look at this, may we gain truths. We see this final trial of Jesus before he goes for the Romans and then before he goes to the cross. Well, you know, most of us love sports, especially OSU sports and football and soccer and basketball and wrestling and so much more. And most of you like to play sports. And, you know, when you're playing, sometimes you're in the game and somebody comes in to take your place and they're your substitute. And usually if you love to play the game, you don't want a substitute. You don't want somebody to come in and take your place. Sometimes you need to have somebody take your place. When I was coaching at Mississippi State, we had receivers and that wide receivers, they ran every play. And sometimes they'd get tired. And we told them that after a play, if you're tired, all you have to do is just raise your hand. We'd send somebody in to take their place. We must realize that all of us in this room have the most important substitute of all, and that is Jesus Christ. He took our place. Truth is, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We owe God death. We're supposed to be separated from God. But Jesus took our place. He became our substitute. 1 Peter 3.18, Christ died for our sins once for all, the just for the unjust to bring us to God. The Bible tells us about this. 2 Corinthians 5.21, For God had made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. Romans 5.8, God demonstrates his love toward us. While we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. Over and over we see in the scripture that Jesus took our place. This morning, as we see this final trial before the Romans, we get a good picture of Jesus as our substitute and our Savior. We meet a man by the name of Barabbas. He's supposed to die, but Jesus takes his place. And Barabbas is really a picture of us. We need a substitute, and Jesus takes our place. Jesus dies in the place of Barabbas. We realize Jesus died in our place. May we gain from this passage this morning. Well, let's begin. We're seeing the six trials of Jesus. He's been arrested in the garden. He's been going through all of these different trials, three before the Jews, three before the Romans. Let me remind you, on the three before the Jews, he went to Annas first, then to Caiaphas, and then on to the Sanhedrin, which was the ruling body. All were done illegally, and he was found guilty in each one of the trials, and he was declared, because he declared that he was the Son of God. And they said, if you say you're the Son of God, that's blasphemy, we'll put you to death. Then, after those three, he goes three before the Romans. He first went to Pilate, then they found out that he was in Herod's jurisdiction, so they sent him to Herod, and now they sent him back to Pilate. Jesus had no legal standing, he was not a Roman citizen, so there was not a question of whether the trials were legal or not, because he had no legal standing, but in each of these trials he was found not guilty, because the charges were that he was king of the Jews, and they realized that he wasn't trying to take over the Roman government, I mean, that's the key. So last time, we saw the first two trials before the Romans. Pilate said, I find him not guilty. Well, they started making an uproar, and he found out that he actually lived in Galilee, which was Herod's jurisdiction, a man by the name of Herod Antipas. And so he sent him there, and, and Herod, of course, mocked him and sent him back, finding him not guilty. Well, this morning, it's the last trial. 
And we find that Pilate's in a dilemma. And let me tell you, you can put yourself in Pilate's place. And, and, and I said this in the first service. In a little bit, when you study this, you think, I feel a little bit sorry for Pilate. Not a lot sorry for him, but you feel a little bit sorry for him because what's going on, because the situation that he's put in. He knows that the religious leaders want Jesus dead. He knows that Jesus has done nothing that's worthy of death. And yet he doesn't know what to do because if he lets Jesus go, the religious leaders are going to be in a turmoil. Now, I'm going to mention this and I'll talk a little bit more about it, but Pilate has gotten trouble in the past. He's been appointed in that position by the Roman government. And uh, there was a time that he allowed some, some banners and things to be taken into the temple area. That was blasphemy of the Jews. Jews got in a big uproar. There was a big riot. He sent in soldiers. A bunch of Jewish people were killed. And the Roman government sent word to him and said, You keep those people quiet or else we're going to remove you from your position. So Pilate's in one of those tough situations. He wants to keep the Jews quiet and happy because if they uproar again, he could lose his job. But at the same time, he doesn't believe Jesus did anything wrong, and he doesn't want to kill Jesus just because he knows it's not right. Well, what's he going to do? Well, we're going to see Pilate, and he has a plan to deal with Jesus. Let me break down the passage for you. First of all, we see in the first part, Jesus declared not guilty. Pilate has examined him. Herod has examined him. He says, here's my plan. I will punish him and release him. We talked about this last week. How is it that if he's not guilty, you're going to punish him and then release him? But we'll talk about that more. Then the second part is that we meet this man named Barabbas, Jesus and Barabbas. We meet who he is. We see the conflict that Pilate has with the crown, with the crowd, and then the final sentence, and we see what happens well let's begin because just think about this jesus went before pilate and found him not guilty and the people were in uproar so he sent jesus to, to herod he's been in herod and now he's back pilate's going to come out and address the crowd now remember it's still early in the morning the original time they brought him to, to brought to jesus to pilate was before 7 a.m by the time all of this is over and Jesus gets put on the cross, it's 9 o'clock in the morning. So this is still very early. Pilate's going to come back and, and address the crowd. He is, Jesus has just returned from Herod, not guilty. Watch what's going to happen. Look at verse 13, chapter 23, verse 13. Pilate summoned the chief priest and the rulers and the people. Now remember this. Pilate has called together the chief priest. Those were the, the, the main ruling body. They were the, the one who was Annas and Caiaphas and the high priest. There they were. And then it says the rulers. Those were the members of the Sanhedrin. There were 70 men chosen as leaders, as elders that met together and they were the ruling body. Not all of the Sanhedrin were in this meeting. And not all of the Sanhedrin said that Jesus was guilty. We'll find out some others later. But it says he summoned the chief priests, the rulers, and the people. Now, when all this started, it was so early in the morning, the Jews wanted Jesus dead. They wanted him on the cross before the people found out about it because they knew if the people found out about it, they would be in an uproar because the people as a whole liked Jesus. So they've tried to get away with this. But as the time has gone on, more and more people have come. Now there's a crowd there, a lot of people. And so it says, Pilate summoned the chief priest and the rulers and the People, He's called them all together, and, of course, the plan is they want to put him to death. Well, he gives his report, verse 14. And he said to them, You brought this man to me as one who incites the people to rebellion. And behold, having examined him before you, I have found no guilt in this man regarding the charges which you make against him. Now, he gives his report, and remember, here's the problem. He wants to keep the people under control because he doesn't want them to be in rebellion. He knows they're not going to like his answer. When he comes out and says, listen, there's nothing wrong with this man at all, they're going to go crazy. Now, he knows that. 
In fact, what we find from some of the other gospel, the religious leaders have been going through the crowd. And there are a lot of people in a crowd, just as most crowds, a lot of people going, what are we doing? Anybody know what's going on? I don't know what's going on. And so they're going through the crowd and they're telling them, listen, tell them to crucify Jesus. And that's what's going to happen. And watch. And so he stands before him and says, you brought this man to me as one who incites the people to rebellion. And behold, having examined him before you, I've done all the examination, I find no guilt in this man regarding the charges which you make against him. He says, you brought him to me, you had all these charges about him, about rebellion and everything else, and I see nothing here, I find him not guilty. You remember what the charges were? We saw them last time. They said, first of all, he perverts the nation, he discourages paying of taxes, and he claims to be a king. Well, first of all, to pervert the nation, that word really meant to to go contrary to to Rome. He was saying that Jesus was trying to turn the people against the Romans. Jesus never did that. When it says discouraging taxes, Jesus never said that. In fact, Jesus said, whatever belongs to Caesar, give to Caesar. Whatever belongs to God, give to God. The third thing about claiming to be the king, Jesus is the king of the Jews. In fact, he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And Pilate understood that Jesus claimed to be a king, but he... He didn't see him as a threat to Rome. And so he says, he's he's not trying to do anything wrong. And so he finds him, as we got, not guilty. But he goes on and gives more information because, remember, he's given his summary. And he says this, No, verse 15, nor has Herod, for he sent him back to us, and behold, nothing deserving death has been done by him. Now, remember who Herod was? Herod was a man named Herod Antipas. He was a he was an evil man. His father was Herod the Great, who killed all the little boy babies at the time of Jesus' birth. This man named Herod Antipas was a wicked man. He took his brother's wife. He had John the Baptist's head cut off. He wanted to see Jesus because he had heard so much about Jesus. He thought Jesus might do a miracle with him, might do something. And so when he got Jesus there, he said, I've been waiting to see you for a long time. How about doing a couple of miracles? Jesus wouldn't even talk to him. So he made fun of Jesus and sent him back to Pilate. So as far as Pilate says, listen, Herod checked him out. He's done nothing wrong. I've checked him out. He's done nothing wrong. We're, we're going we're gonna to tell you that he's not guilty. Now, what should have happened? What should have happened immediately is they let him go. He should have said, he's, there's nothing wrong. And see, the Romans, they, they had their government, and they, they were very strict on their law, especially when it came to a Roman citizen. And so they said, here, just, I find no fault with this man. Let him go. That's what he should have done. But remember that this is not man's plan. That Pilate's not in control, and the Jews are not in control, and different people aren't in control. Jesus is in control, and Jesus has come to be our Savior. He's come to die on the cross to pay for the sins of mankind, to rise again, and ascend back to the Father. That's the plan. So Jesus is going to the cross because this is the plan of God. He has come to do the will of the Father. This is powerful. Well, when he gets through saying this, he realizes that there's a problem. Because the Jewish people want him dead, but he's innocent, so what can he do? Well, he's come up, and we're going to see that he's got two options. That's what he's going to do. Number one, he's first of all, he says, I'll tell you what I'll do. I will punish him and release him. That's one thing. The second thing is he could release him according to the custom. I'll explain it more in just a minute. But what he could say, he says, look, I could just do this. I could punish him and release him. And you'd say, well, if he hadn't done anything wrong, why would you punish him? Well, because if I punish him, maybe the Jews will think that's enough. But there was a second thing he could do. He could release him according to the custom because we're going to find out that there was a custom at that time that Pilate, to show what a great guy he was, on Passover he would come before the Jews and what they had a lot of prisoners. They would arrest a lot of them. He would pick one of the prisoners and let them go. That was a custom. 
So what he's going to do is he says, you know, I got, I've got to figure this thing out. I can either, you know, beat him and let him go, or I can use the custom. I can go out and say, okay, remember the custom I have? I've decided I will let Jesus go. And then he's out of the problem. He thinks, I got it made. I have one of these two options bound to work. Well, he's going to start with option one. Look at verse 16. He says, therefore, I will punish him and release him now. That's option one. I'll punish him and let him go. The punishing could, could be all the way to, from a public rebuke, having him stand there and say something about him there, or it could be to beat him, to flog him. We don't know what Pilate says to do. He just says, I will punish him and release him. I will discipline him. Even though he's guilty, or even though he's not guilty, he's saying this punishment will maybe satisfy the Jews. Now, the next verse uh, is, is some, it's not in the well, it's in the Gospel of Luke, but not in some of the earlier manuscripts. It's in, found in the other Gospels, and it just gives us the idea of what's about to happen. He now talks about the second option, and that is, now he was obligated to release to them at the feast one prisoner. So option two is release one prisoner at the feast time. He could do that. In fact, it sounds like a good deal for him. He thinks, you know, this is the way I can get out of this thing. I can either beat him and let him go, or I can say, oh, listen, I'm just such a nice guy, and I always let one of your prisoners go anyway, and so I think I'm just going to let this prisoner go. And he says, I'm out of the jam. I've got it made. I've done what was right, and the people won't be in an uproar. But what do the crowd say? What do they do? Verse 18, but they cried out all together saying, away with this man and release for us Barabbas. Now, they cried out, away with this man. In fact, when he says, here's what we'll do, we'll let Jesus go, they begin to shout, no, 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 not Jesus. Take Jesus, we want another man. And they started saying this man named Barabbas. You can almost see Pilate going, who is, who is Barabbas? What, get me one of my men up here. Who, is, who are they shouting about? You can see a guy come up and go, well, it's Barabbas. He was, some, he was kind of a bad guy. He killed some people and that kind of stuff. That's the one they want. And you can see Pilate thinking, they want the bad guy? Because he, he heard about Jesus. He knew what they were saying. And so he wanted to say, wait a minute. I've offered them Jesus. They want the bad guy named Barabbas? Who is this Barabbas? It's explained to us in verse 19. Notice, he was one who had been thrown into prison for an insurrection made in the city, and for murder. Now, he was one that obviously was a Jewish guy, and he was wanting to try to overthrow the government, and it says he was thrown into prison for insurrection, which means to, you know, to try to overthrow the government and for murder. He'd probably kill somebody. Now, in that day and time, there were a group, and we don't know whether Barabbas was part of this group, but there was a group called the Zealots. They hated the Romans. They would kill, if they had a chance, if they saw a Roman citizen and they could kill him and get away with it, they would. If they could kill a Roman soldier, they would. If they saw a Jewish person who appeared to be on the side of a Roman, they would kill them. They had these little swords that were about that long, little daggers, called sacri, and they would tape them on the inside of their arms where you couldn't see them, and they would get into a crowd, and they would then take it, and they would stab somebody, and then they would slip away in the crowd. They'd kill people. That's what they did. If they had a Roman citizen there, if they had a Roman soldier, they'd stab them and, and get away. So they were pretty evil. I mean, that was their plan. They were terrorists, what they, what they wanted to do. They hated the Romans. They wanted them out of their land. And so it says, this man had been a prisoner for insurrection made in the city and for murder. Now, let me tell you something about his name for just a second. His name is Barabbas. And the name comes from Bar, B-A-R, which is an Aramaic word for son. And then another Aramaic name is Abba, 
which is the word for father. So Barabbas, Barabbas means son of the father. That's what his name means. We'll come back to that later on why that's important. Okay, now, see where we are? Now, I want you to hold your place in Luke 23, and I want you to turn over to John chapter 18, because we want to see some more details, but Luke doesn't give them to us, but John does. So turn over in, the, in your Bible, one more book to the back, uh, to John chapter 18. Go to the end of the chapter, because we're going to start about verse 39. As you're turning there now, remember what Pilate has done. He's come out. He's told them that we're going to let him go. Uh, he said, either I will just... Um, I'll punish him and release him, or maybe according to the custom, I'll let him go. People have been shouting. Let's see how it looks when John describes what happens. John chapter 18, look at verse 39. We see Pilate speaking. But you have a custom that I release someone for you at the Passover. This is Pilate talking to the people. He says, you have this custom that I release somebody for you at the Passover. Do you wish then that I release for you the king of the Jews? Who's the king of the Jews? It's Jesus. He's standing there saying, would you like for me to release Jesus? That He thinks they will all say, yes. But notice the next verse. So they cried out again saying, not this man but Barabbas. Barabbas was a robber. And, and of course the, the word for robber there means an insurrectionist. It means the one who takes over things. Now, Pilate naturally thought, when I say, would you like for me to release the king of the Jews, they would ask for Jesus, because in Matthew 27, 18, it says he knew for envy they had turned him over. So he thought, listen, the average guy out there, they're going to want Jesus. But they didn't. Now, think about it. Jesus was a good man. Jesus was the one who healed people. Jesus was the one who fed people. people Jesus was the one that did all these things. Barabbas was a murderer. Well, what's Pilate going to do? You know what he's going to do? He says, maybe, maybe I better go back to option one. Remember option one, punish him and release him. Option two was release him according to the custom. But when he said custom, they all want somebody else. So he'll go back to option one. Look at chapter 19 of John, verse 1. Pilate then took Jesus and scourged him. Now let me explain to you what that was because we don't always think about it. But there was a platform where they're standing. The crowd is out there. Pilate's up here and Jesus is up here. They take Jesus and there's a post and they tie Jesus to the post and they take all his clothes off. And then a man comes out with a whip. And in that whip, at the end of the whip, they've got these little pieces of bone or little pieces of metal. And then they whip him. And they scourge him. And the most that the law allowed was 39 whips. I mean, you could be hit 39 times. Sometimes, many times, people died from the beatings because it's just too much because when you got hit by those whips it just tore your skin to pieces some of the traditions I read as much as I could find but sometimes they said they tied them front ways first and the first 13 lashes went on your chest in the front part of you and then they turned you around and the rest of the lashes went on your back but it said most of the time it was just just split you to pieces because all those things in there just tore your skin completely up they took Jesus in front of this crowd and beat him right there scourged him and you can think that Pilate says this will be enough because they'll see this bloody, terrible, that'll be enough. After they beat him, Pilate then takes Jesus back inside. Because see, this is, in, this is where Pilate's staying. So they take him back inside. People are still out there. Here's what happened when they took him inside. Verse 2. And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and put a purple robe on him. And they begin to come up to him and say, Hail, King of the Jews! And to give him slaps. In the face. And these soldiers, after Jesus had been beaten, 
They then put this crown of thorns on his head and this robe on him and they started hitting on him and, and saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they were doing all of these things to him, making fun of him. Can you picture that? I mean, that's our Savior, right? That's the one who died for you and for me. And they did that to him. But look what Pilate did. Pilate came out again and said to him, Behold, I am bringing him out to you so that you may know that I find no guilt in him. Now Pilate's come out and he's going to bring Jesus out again. And it said, Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate said to them, Behold the man. There he is. There's your king. He really believes that what he's doing, he's really making fun of Jesus and he's making fun of the Jews all at the same time. And he's thinking, maybe they will say, that's enough. That's what he's hoping for. But notice, verse 6, So when the chief priest and the officers saw him, they cried out saying, Crucify, crucify. Pilate said, take him yourself and crucify him. I find no guilt in him. Now Pilate knew they couldn't do that. He knew the law. Romans only had the right to put people to death. Romans are the only ones that did the crucifixion. He turns to the Jews and says, you crucify him yourself. He knows. They, they look at him and say, we, can, we don't have the right to do that. Only you can do that. The Jews answered him, we have a law. And by that law, he ought to die. Why? Because he made himself out to be the son of God. It gets down to the real issue. The truth comes out. Why do they want Jesus dead? Not because he claims to be king of the Jews. They want him dead because he claims to be God. And he is God. And he is our Savior. And what we're going to find is that Pilate, when he hears all this, he begins to get worried. And so he takes Jesus back inside to talk to Jesus. Maybe he thinks, let me reason with this man. Maybe Jesus will tell me something that will help and I can go back out and I can say, this is the way it is. Because remember, the crowd is beginning to get more and more worked up. And the more they get worked up, the more there's likely a riot. If there's a riot, soldiers are going to have to come in. If soldiers have to come in, guess what happens? Somebody's going to get killed. Somebody gets killed, the word's going to get back to Rome. So Pilate says, I don't want a mess out here. So he takes Jesus back in. Verse 8 says, when Pilate heard this statement, he was more afraid. He went into the praetorium and he said to Jesus, where are you from? But Jesus wouldn't talk to him. See, after this, Jesus won't talk to him anymore. You know why? Because Isaiah says, as the sheep led to the slaughter, so was he dumb. He, didn't, he wouldn't speak. He wouldn't speak. He opened not his mouth. But then Pilate says this, verse 10. Pilate said to him, you don't speak to me? Do you not know that I have the authority to release you and I have the authority to crucify you? Now you can see Pilate going back and forth and says, you're not going to talk to me? Listen, I'm trying to help you. Don't you know I have the authority to kill you and I have the authority to let you go? Let me ask you something. Does Pilate have all that authority? Who's in control in this whole thing? See, that's right. We think Pilate, Pilate's in control. He's not in control. Jews aren't in control. You know who's in control? Jesus is in control. Jesus is working all things according to the counsel of His will. Jesus is going to lay down His life for us and He's going to take it up again because He's in control. Watch what Jesus tells Him. Jesus answered, verse 11, You would have no authority over Me unless it has been given you from above. For this reason, who delivered Me to you has the greater sin. He says, You don't have any authority over Me. The only authority you have over Me is because God allowed you to have this authority. Pilate didn't know what to do. So he's going to bring Jesus out again. Notice verse 13. Therefore, when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out, sat down on the judgment seat at a place called the pavement. 
But in Hebrew, it's Gabbatha. Now, they come to the place where he's going to make his final decisions. It's called the pavement. And it's Hebrew Gabbatha. And I want you to think about something. The three, the three last places that Jesus went to here, right, the three major places for it, for, where he dies for us is Gethsemane. That's the garden. That's the place of the olive press. To Gabbatha, the judgment, the pavement, and the Golgotha, which is the cross. And we'll talk about what Golgotha means. Because we've, you probably in most of your lives talk about the hill called Mount Calvary. Do you know what Calvary means? We'll see it for sure next week. We'll talk about what Golgotha means. The name Golgotha and Calvary mean the same thing. We'll see what they are. So they get to this place called Gabbatha, which is the pavement, which is the place of judgment. And what he's going to do is tie together options one and two. He says, okay, what I'll do is I've already punished him. I will punish him and I will release him maybe according to this custom. That's the plan. Go back to Luke 23 and we'll see what happens. Luke chapter 23, verse 20. Here's what happened. Pilate, wanting to release Jesus, addressed them again. Remember what's happened? They've beaten him. they put the robe on. They've done all this stuff. They've brought him out. Now they've come to the pavement. And here's what he says. Pilate, wanting to release Jesus, addressed him again. But they kept on calling out, saying, Crucify! Crucify him! Matthew 27, verse 20 says, The religious leaders had gone through the crowd, stirring the crowd up, telling them to ask for Barabbas and to crucify Jesus. Can you picture that? They're going throughout the crowd and they're telling them, ask for Barabbas, crucify Jesus. Many of the people are there, they don't even know why they're there. They don't even know what's going on. And the religious leaders who have their respect, they tell them, do this, do this. And so they kept shouting out, crucify, crucify him. And the way it's written in the Greek, it says, it has the idea, kept on yelling. They kept on shouting. Verse 22, and he said to them a third time, Why? What evil has this man done? I found in him no guilt demanding death. Therefore, I will punish him and release him. He thinks, I'll, do, I'll, put, I'll put one and two together. I'll punish him, which he's already done. And then I'll let him go. I'll let him go because that's the one I have the right to let him go. But the crowd has now turned into a mob. And there's going to be a riot And look, it says, they were insistent with loud voices, asking that he be crucified, and their voices began to prevail. They keep shouting. The uproar is starting. Pilate doesn't want this to happen. They begin to win out. He's so afraid. Listen, if I have to bring soldiers in here, I don't know what I'm going to do. Now, let me ask you a question. Why wouldn't Pilate say, hey, it doesn't matter to me what happens to this man. Okay, if that's what they want, I'm not getting into trouble over this man. I'll just send him out there and we'll get him killed. Why is Pilate... So strong on trying to rescue Jesus. You know why? Matthew 27 verse 19. His wife sent word to him saying, Have nothing to do with this righteous man. I have suffered greatly in a dream. She had a bad dream about Jesus. And she sent word to Pilate and said, Something's wrong there. Have nothing to do with that righteous man. I just had a really bad dream about Jesus. And so the best thing for you to do is get away from that thing. She's trying to protect her husband. So he gets word, Hey, bad dream. Bad deal, man. He's saying, What am I going to do? What does he do? 
I want to read to you Matthew 27, verses 24 and 25. Listen to what it says. And when Pilate saw that he was accomplishing nothing, but rather that a riot was starting, he took water and washed his hands in front of the multitude, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to that yourselves. Now what he thinks is standing up in front of everybody and washing his hands like saying, I have nothing to do with this. Well, the truth is he still has something to do with it. He's in charge of the Roman government, and he is the one that's going to declare that Jesus gets crucified. He's going to send the Roman soldiers out there. He can't wash his hands in the matter. You know what the Jews said? Verse chapter 27, 25 of Matthew says, All the people answered and said, His blood be on us and our children. The riot was started. Let me tell you something. Whose blood? Jesus' blood's on Pilate's hands. Jesus' blood's on the Jews' hands. And Jesus' blood's on every one of our hands. Because he died for us. Because we all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all owe God death. Jesus became our substitute. He went to the cross for us. Don't forget it. Here's a man faced with doing right or taking care of himself. And what did he do? He said, I'm taking care of myself. We need to be men and women who do what's right. Stand for the truth regardless of the outcome. Verse 24, Pilate pronounced sentence that their demand be granted. And he released the man they were asking for who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder. But he delivered Jesus to their will. Jesus is taken, Barabbas is released. Jesus takes Barabbas' place. Now I want to show you a little comparison between Jesus and Barabbas. So you got Jesus and Barabbas. You got Jesus who was a prisoner and Barabbas is a prisoner. You got Jesus who's the son of the father. You got Barabbas who's son of the father because that's what Barabbas' name means. Son of the father. Jesus is the son of the heavenly father. He came to do the will of the father. But one is the good man and the other is the evil man. The one who's the perfect son of God. The rest are fallen human being. Now I want to show you another comparison. And that's Barabbas and us. See, we're all Barabbas. Because he's a sinner, we're a sinner. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. He is guilty, we're guilty. Isaiah 53, 6, all we like sheep have gone astray, each one our own way. He's condemned to die, we're condemned to die. The wages of sin is death. We're all supposed to die and be separated from the Father. But he was released and set free. And we've been released and set free because Jesus Christ came. And died for us. The righteous one took his place. Jesus died in place, place of Barabbas that day. But the righteous one took our place. He died in our place. And the Roman government was satisfied. And God is satisfied. The Bible says that Jesus is a satisfactory payment not for our sins only, but for the sins of the entire world. And when Jesus Christ died for us, He's paid for our sins. And so many people think that I've got to do something to satisfy God. I've got to go to church. I've got to get baptized. I've got to do this. I've got to do this. You can come to God right now and say, God, what must I do to satisfy you? And He will look at you and say, I'm already satisfied. You can't do anything. Jesus has already done it all. He is the satisfactory payment not for our sins only, but for the sins of the entire world. There's not one thing you can do to satisfy God. You take the gift of eternal life, which comes simply by faith. Barabbas now can live, and we have life, eternal life by faith. Anyone who believes in Jesus Christ has eternal life. Now, can you picture Barabbas in that cell, and he's sitting there, and he knows that when the soldiers come down and open that door, they're going to be taking him out, beating him, and putting him on a cross. 
And he knows it's just a matter of time. And he hears them coming down that hall. He hears them coming down to his cell. He hears them opening that lock. And they open that door and they say to him, you're free to go. And he goes, what do you mean? What do you mean? And they say, somebody else took your place. And we're free because Jesus took our place and he paid for our sins. And anyone who will believe in Jesus will have eternal life. I hope and pray every one of you in this room that you have believed in Jesus for salvation. It's not your righteousness, your goodness. You can never satisfy God. He's already satisfied. You simply believe in the one who died for you, paid for sin, and rose again. He offers to you the gift of eternal life. It comes simply by faith, not by your works or righteousness. Right where you're sitting, if you've never trusted Christ, you can say, I believe that Jesus Christ is my Savior. I'm trusting Him to give me life. And by the authority of the Scripture, He gives you life. We're all guilty and condemned to die, but Jesus has taken our place. May we realize that Christ is our substitute, that he took our place so that we might live, and all who believe in him have eternal life. What have we seen? Jesus was tried before the Romans three times, not guilty. The Jews said, we want him dead. Pilate wanted to punish him and release him according to the custom, but the crowd wanted Barabbas. Finally, Pilate gives in because the riot is forming, and he releases Barabbas and condemns Jesus. And next week, we're going to see him take him to the cross. We're going to see the start of it. We're going to see they take him away. We're going to meet this man named Simon of Cyrene. We're going to see they come to the place called the skull. And what do you mean the skull? We'll talk about it. We'll see what that is. And we're going to see what Jesus says to the people as they take him to the cross. It's a very powerful thing. Let me give you some applications. First of all, expect injustice in a fallen world. We could not, we should not expect everything to be fair and just because we live in a fallen world. Think about this. Jesus was not guilty, yet he was killed. He is the perfect son of God. He never did anything wrong at all, and yet they crucified him. This was God's plan. In our lives, there will be times of injustice and wrong. You can just count on it. It's a fallen world. There will be people who will do us wrong. They'll do us wrong on purpose. Sometimes the laws won't turn out right. Sometimes things won't turn out the way you think they ought to turn out. But we're going to have to trust God. Why? Because God will be the final judge. He works all things according to the counsel of His will. And things that look bad, in the end, all will be leveled out. Jesus Christ is the judge. He is, he is our Savior. He is our constant one. We trust Him in the trials of life. There's a second thing, and that's a key. Jesus Christ is our substitute and Savior. That's what we see in this passage. Jesus died in our place. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, 1 Peter 3, 18, Romans 5, 8. I quoted those verses earlier. He died in our place. He is the final sacrifice for sin. He took mine in your place. We are all, going to the next one, we are all like Barabbas. That's who we are. We all deserve to die. We've all sinned. We're all helpless. We cannot save ourselves. And so what must we do? Trust Jesus Christ as Savior, by faith alone in Christ alone, He gives you eternal life. I hope and pray every one of you understand it's not your goodness, your church, your baptism, your works, your turning away from anything or giving up anything or trying to do anything. You can never satisfy God. He's already satisfied. Take the gift of eternal life, which comes by faith, knowing that we're in a fallen world. And that we've all sinned. May we thank God for our substitute and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gives us eternal life 
by faith. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a passage. Thank you for these truths. Thank you, Lord, for all of this. Lord, we realize it is a fallen world and that it won't always turn out like we always think it will. But in the end, Jesus Christ is going to level the whole thing and everything will be come out to the right. We know that he is our substitute and our Savior, that he died in our place, that we deserve to die. We're all like Barabbas. And yet, all who believe in Jesus Christ will not perish but have everlasting life. Lord, thank you for these great truths. Help us to proclaim them in this community. We ask this in Jesus' name.